You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And yes, I am your host, Rick Franzi. And boy, do we have a good show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because Adam Coffran, who is the president of not only Safe Kids Incorporated, but also Standards Training Group, is going to be our guest. Adam, welcome to the show. Oh, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on the program and talk about your two businesses, you serial entrepreneur, you. Why don't we start with your origin story? So take us back in your professional career and tell us why you left a cushy cushy job to become an entrepreneur and start STG. You got it. Well, you know, I guess cushy is the air quote word, right? So I was a police officer in Orange County. Um, had quite a number of years on the job. So cushy in the fact that I wasn't necessarily going anywhere, um, but obviously not the easiest of jobs. And uh, one day I very distinctly remember walking into the police department and looking down that long beige painted hallway and thinking to myself, I can't do this for another 10, 15 plus years. Um, At the time I was assigned to a a specialized unit. uh, And so I was working uh, tourist uh, oriented policing or essentially the Orange County resorts, hotels, theme parks and whatnot in the county um, and had kind of access to, you know, the corporate world, a lot of corporate leaders, obviously um, a lot of the private industry leaders and was working as a liaison between uh, city government uh, along with the hotels and the the resort districts. Uh, so I kind of had a, a unique perspective, not only of an insight into some of the business world, but also the government world. Um, and a few years into that assignment, I began being asked to do trainings and do other things that was outside of my normal duties or routine, uh, you know, through the city. And that was kind of the, the start process of standards training group was discovering that, you know, what we were doing and how we were doing it was of interest, not only to our, you know, couple of cities that, you know, made up the resort district, but also uh, those outside. And that's kind of really where I started looking at, you know, something other than walking down the uh, the long beige hallway every day. (laughs) That's interesting. So that, uh, I didn't know that there was a special task force like that, but once you explain it, it makes a lot of sense. Tourism is very important. And that's probably a different policing discipline than for the residents, et cetera because of the fact that you're dealing with an influx of people from hither and yon. So what great experience though for you, huh? Yeah, it was such a, you know, it was one of the unique experiences obviously in police work and law enforcement. You know, there's only a handful of cities in the country that have that type of detail and specialized training. So it was really a blessing. I mean, I spent uh, about six and a half years on that team um, and it kind of really opened my eyes to more than just police work. And that's kind of where, you know, the, the idea of starting a standards training group came from was seeing the opportunities and kind of seeing the world in, in a little bit different light than, you know, just a get in the police car and drive around the city and, and, you know, do normal enforcement action. Right. And sometimes we don't know the journey that we're on and the benefits of and where it's going to take us. But clearly you did recognize that at some point and you had the good fortune to be able to, as all of us founders and entrepreneurs know, it's it's nice to have a, a, a training ground for a while before you actually launch as a 100% entrepreneur. It takes a lot of time to get a business off the ground. Uh, I'm wondering, um, how long did it take you 
or was there a specific event that caused you to think, okay, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make this side hustle a full-time thing and I'm going to launch myself completely into my business. Sure. You know, and you make a good point, you know, for so many business owners, it's kind of one of two stories, either doing it on the side and testing the waters or just jumping right in the deep end with no, you know, no point of return. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of took the, the initial one. Uh, you know, early on when I was getting asked to do different training engagements and different things, I thought, wow, this is really kind of neat, you know, get to do something on my day off and get to see some new places. And over the course of about three years, that continued to grow. And it went from, you know, maybe once or twice a month to three or four times a month to almost every day on my day off. And it really began <laughs> to grow uh, and take some time, right? So all of a sudden I had no days off anymore. Right. That's what I'm laughing at. Like, look, you can work all the time um, now. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'm working all the time. And there was a, there's a, a, you know, a couple of things that as I started looking at, you know, the viability, right. And I was looking at, you know, going to my full-time job was great and all the benefits and retirement and all that stuff. But I started to add some numbers up and I realized I was almost losing money going to my full-time job. In other words, all the things and, and all the, mm -hmm. the things that were happening in that side business at the time could actually not only sustain, you know, full-time, you know, employment, but also gain other employees and also grow to the point to where I could probably make more and ostensibly maybe be happier, right? Uh, running my own organization as opposed to showing up for the grind, so to speak, every day. Uh, and so it was a little bit of that. I also got uh, pretty severely injured um, in an incident in my full-time job. And it was a culmination of both kind of saying, do I really want to keep doing this or is there there is the, the you know the green uh is the grass greener on the other side so to speak so there's a couple of combination of things that made sense at the time um and obviously i've never looked back so um, uh, that was around 2013 when you lost launched stg is that right around 2013 correct yeah right around okay. 2013 yeah so then a few a few years later not only did you have your hands full with STG, but you decided to launch another venture called Safe Kids, I think in 2016. So I'm wondering what lessons as an entrepreneur and founder did you learn from the first venture that are helping you or have helped you to successfully launch Safe Kids? Well, Safe Kids was was kind of a growth out of the original venture, you know. Um, the original venture, which is obviously still going strong today, was you know circled around hospitality, healthcare, higher education, essentially dealing with organizations that were trying to mitigate losses and crime, reduce risk, you know, have good training, um, you know, for you know security type stuff, safety type stuff uh, for their organization. And during that time, I started working with some uh, K twelve schools. I was um, working not only obviously within the police agency, but also. Uh, garnering some clients uh, outside of that in talking about uh, school safety, active shooters, uh, all those types of things. And I discovered pretty quickly that obviously the way that you would teach and engage with teachers is pretty different than you would do with, you know, uh, hoteliers or or anything else. And I was taking some of the lessons learned about, you know, what's the kind of the way to go about uh, talking with folks, what are they interested in? What are the topics that you know that are a need? Uh, but also, you know, how to engage with these folks? And you know, so often when you think about training uh, or consultants or any of that, um, you know, there's you're trying to find someone that has good information, but you don't, you know, don't really need them full time. But there's a problem, so finding kind of that niche in there and and to kind of learn not only from the business aspect, the ins and outs, but really how to market. And at the time. 
uh, you know, I, I called it, it was kind of like the A team. If you knew about me, if you could find me, maybe you could hire me too, because there was no ability to market. There was no really, the, 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 the confines of my full-time job were really tight when it came to any sort of marketing, uh, LinkedIn, any of those types of things. And so being able to create a successful business at the time with virtually no marketing, um, you know, some of those lessons is in the strategy of going forward is leaving that, you know, how could I now market? How could I now get out there? How could I connect just like I always have, but do it in, in, at mass and at scale uh, to move forward? And so a lot of those lessons were kind of learned and then obviously new lessons learned starting the second one. So, so I love it when an entrepreneur has, has a niche that, they, that they're focused on. And many times when I'm working with early stage founders, they're like, well, I don't want to be restricted by this niche. And what I've learned in your, I think your life story is a great example of that. If you're really good in the niche, adjacent opportunities show up. And it sounds like Safe Kids was really an adjacent opportunity to what you were doing for the healthcare, hospitality, and corporate market. You know, it really was. And, you know, I can almost uh, narrow it down uh, to a training class. Uh, it was 2015. Um, and I got done at this school, and it was a K 8 school. And I had this third grade teacher ask me, you know, Adam, this information has been great. You know, we were talking about active shooters and lockdown drills and all that. She goes, really been great information, but I can't tell my kids anything you just told me, right? Kind of a scary topic. So how would you suggest I talk to my kids, my, all my third graders in my, in my class? And I was like, I, uh, I don't know. What's your question? Um, right. And of course, you know, I got the question a couple more times. And when I started kind of looking into it, I realized that, you know, especially that, that, that pre-K through 12 market is so different and it would take you know, really a creating a curriculum for students designed by educators with lesson plans and stories and narratives and writing kids books. And, and there's all these components to it is pretty dramatically different than what I was doing, you know, at standards training, which was essentially, you know, consulting and professional services by way of, you know, training classes and policy and procedure and those types of things. And so it made sense when kind of one of those lessons was, you know, not only knowing my niche, but also creating the organization to serve the niche that's mm. designed around them. And there were a couple other competitors in the market space at the time that was doing just like what you said. They were trying to boil the ocean, so to speak. Their topic was for everybody. And <laughs> it, it got diluted, so to speak. You know, and what you would hear is, you know, these guys, you know, we've used these guys, but they don't really understand educators. Or we've used these guys, they don't really stand hoteliers. And they don't really. So it's finding those niche markets that not only have the expertise, but also, like you said, to expand and really become one of the industry leaders within that niche market. So we've kind of talked about what your two firms do, but I'm wondering if maybe we could just step back for a second and take each one and the problem that you're solving and who helps you, who, who are you helping? And then in the end, uh, maybe we've covered this ground, but why are companies or uh, educational institutions picking you to come in and do this work? Sure. And so we'll start with, with standards training. You know, we talk about kind of that corporate, market space, uh, most specifically, you know, uh, hospitality, uh, healthcare, higher education. But as of recent, uh, much more of, um, uh, I'd call for lack of a term, service industry. So everything from manufacturing, um, uh, public utilities and services. Um, and I think what's really happening there is the niche that we're, we're filling is everything you're seeing on the news, right? So workplace violence, um, active shooters, theft and loss, um, you know, problems in the workplace, and, you know, the, the, the idea of the original firm was if you had a friend, you had someone who's a police officer, 
you know, your neighbor, your cousin, your brother, and you go to them and you ask them all the questions you'd want to ask police officer. Well, how do we do this? And, and what is what happens when this happens? How do we make sure this doesn't, you know, go wrong? Um, we kind of design that original firm around that. It's like having kind of your own police officer in your firm to not only answer the questions, but also to do the training and to try to create, you know, a safer work environment, more knowledgeable work environment on all the type of topics that you'd want to engage, maybe your local police department in, uh, but do it in a way that's coupled in adult learning principles. Um, you know, we often say that my old peers are not that user-friendly necessarily when it comes to folks. So, you know, having instructors and, and having the ability to learn, you know, potentially very scary information in a way it's designed for adult learners and designed for the workplace and designed to, you know, feel safe and be safe. And that's something that, you know, throughout both companies really talk about. We want folks to feel safe, but we also want them to be safe. Um, and, you know, moving that transition into to safe kids, you know, it, you can't get any more specific than, than that K-12 market space, not only for teachers and educators, but for the actual kids that you're serving. Um, and so that niche was very specifically, you know, talking about scary topics, talking about now regulations of a lot of states requiring lockdown drills and all these different things. But also we see this increased trauma in kids and, you know, kids coming home crying and scared. Uh, because of the way the drill was conducted or because of the way something happened and to try to really relieve some of that. Now that this is the world that we are kind of stuck with, how can we deal with it in a way that kids can understand that they can feel safe and that it's not this big, scary topic in the room, but they actually have a, a safe space to talk about and know what to do. Uh, so in those kind of those niche markets, those are kind of two thought processes. And you know, the, the, the reason a lot of our folks engage us is for that very approach is that you know we take an approach that we want to be trauma informed. We want to be sensitive. We want to understand what's going on uh, and to really be those partners in safety with the organization to really work through these scary topics, many of which have affected a lot of workplaces in some way, shape, form, or fashion, uh, and try to prevent them from happening again. Yeah, that's great. You know, we're talking, you know, the, the, the two markets are different. And as you were explaining it, I was thinking, even in the K through 12, those are very different cohorts that you're being speaking to as well as I can't imagine how you handle this with kindergartners or first and second graders high school you kind of they're a little different sensibility but even within that niche you must have to develop your curriculum differently for the different grade levels too absolutely and, you know most recently we we started a preschool program so you have the kind of the preschool early education niche the what we call the k-12 or the k-8 niche so that's you know elementary and the middle school which is a, a lot of schools kind of revolve around this K-8 uh, age group and then in the high school. And it's, you know, taking into a, you know, account only, you know, students, but their teachers, the principals, administrators, and the parents along with that, you know, we look at it as a whole community um, and engaging those experts in all those different age groups in, you know, level of understanding uh, what's going on, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what makes you feel better, what makes you not feel better. And so it's really been, a very deep dive into an area that not a lot of folks have gone into, so to speak. Uh, and there's a kind of some emerging research in what we've done and how we've done it, uh, not only with us, but, you know, with other organizations um, to try to solve, you know, the problem that we're all seeing in the news every day. Yeah. So you kind of read my mind. Maybe I telegraphed it in my face or my expression. I'm very thankful that you and your people are handling this in a way that's compassionate, understanding, empathetic, but yet, is serious. It's unfortunate, though, that we need you to do this at those such early ages. Um, and so we're, you know, can't make a statement about society, but it is unfortunate that there is the need for your services. But I'm glad, Adam, that you were there to do it. 
I'm wondering, I've, you're here today on Critical Mass Business Talk Show, Orange County's longest running business talk show, but you've also been on a lot of other media outlets being interviewed. When did you decide as an entrepreneur that you needed to also be forward facing and in the media to talk about not just your business, but the situations that occur? You know, it was, uh, and I can almost name the, the, the show I was watching at the time, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the topic, you know, that, that, you know, I speak about and that, you know, we've kind of become experts in is one that is very divisive. And so every time, you know, something, there's a shooting on the news or some workplace violence or something bad that happens, whether it's at school or a factory or an office building, um, also often you see, you know, the reports and then they get, you know, some sort of, you know, pundit of some sort, someone's on there and they're, they're running to all the kind of, a lot of political factors around it. And so there's this argument and, you know, makes good television, I, I guess, right. Obviously people watch it. So, and I remember watching one of these shows and it was after one of the, some, one of the school shootings a number of years ago. And I remember watching and they're arguing back and forth about all kinds of things, by the way, none of which any of these people were experts in any of it. They, uh, they were just folks that they had found to put on the show apparently um, and then they had a, uh, a former federal agent on there and they were trying to ask him some questions about, you know, the facts and the figures and, and he didn't even really get it right. In fact, some of the things he was talking about was like the opposite of what you'd want to do. And, and I sat there thinking to myself, I go, there's so much white noise out there. There's so much conversation, none of which is really doing much to serve the topic other than maybe sensationalize some of this. There's got to be a better way. And so I started uh, kind of purposely of trying to become at least somewhere on some television channel to actually talk to the truth, like to get to the facts and beyond the myths and the politics and everything else. Like if we're going to air something and people are going to watch it, let's try to bring some sensibility to what we're seeing, what we're hearing and kind of what's the real deal. Um, and I'd been on a couple of kind of local uh, just segments talking about one was about school safety. It's kind of very low pro one. I was talking about uh, hotel and hotel safety. Um, but the, the event that really did it was the Mandalay Bay shooting, uh, the one October event. Um, and I went from a small local television appearance to the, uh, today show on NBC. Um, and that kind of really started the conversation moving forward and working with some of these networks, uh, who do want to bring on someone to talk very much about the facts, the figures, what's really going on and to stay away from the politics and the sensationalism of, of everything that's happening. Yeah, that that event is, I think, seared in a lot of people's memory just because of what it was. But also, if you're here in Southern California, the personal nature of maybe relationships, knowing people, because a lot of people that were there were from Southern California. It's um, that yeah. was quite quite. And so I'm glad you're out there sharing your vision and your informed knowledge to help people. And I'm glad that media outlets are seeking you out to bring what I think is the perspective that needs to be brought to these issues. Because clearly, whatever we've done up to this point, we don't seem to be bending the trend much on these active shooters and mass shootings that are happening and these school shootings, which are all too unfortunate and horrific, frankly. So yeah, let's, let's shake that are. off. Yes, but shake please. off that mojo, please, and get back to you because you're an entrepreneur. That's why you're on this show. You're scaling two companies, and, I, and I'm excited for you to talk to us about the vision you have for your firms. What, what's going to be happening in each business moving forward? Well, with Standards Training Group, you know, we're really looking for 
the expansion of good information, right? And so when we talk about that type of expansion, we're always seeing what's going on, reading the follow-up reports and adjusting and fine-tuning and bringing to all the folks that we work with the most common um, or the best, most common knowledge, up-to-date information that we can possibly have because these things change all the time. Um, and one of the things as we move forward in that organization is expanding the reach, uh, not only in our current verticals, but also looking some of the overlap. So often we'll have someone that starts in one industry and you know that you know they may have been a hotel general managers or whatever the case, some sort of leadership, and they move uh, either properties or they move into different um, industries, and they carry the information along with them. Um, and so we now get brought into their new organization because of the previous working relationship. Um, and sometimes, like I said, most recently in the manufacturing, um, we kind of it was a someone who came, who made the jump from one industry to another. Uh, came to an organization that had no previous safety training, no security training, not a lot of policy. And we're the first person they called to start to reinvent or we rework some of their safety and security protocols uh, along with the training. And what we heard in that particular project was, this is awesome. I've been at this organization 20 years and we never had this and I wish we had more of it. Um, and so really working on, in a, in a weird way, sometimes the organizational design or leadership change uh, by bringing safety and security to the forefront um, with many employees. So that's kind of a, exciting as we move into some different areas and expand our footprint and standards. Uh, with Safe Kids, though, uh, you know, not only, you know, what you may expect, right, continuing the expansion into more schools, but uh, really with parents. Uh, I'll tell you, in the last year, having, you know, I think a lot of folks watching television and seeing what's going on and hearing the things in their communities, you know, school districts sometimes are slow to move on certain things, but parents feel this need that they want to keep their kids safe. And I think that's an innate, you know, as a parent, everyone feels that. Uh, and so for us moving into kind of direct, being able to create programming and information for parents to use in the home, uh, you know, regardless of what may or may not be going on at their child's school, that at least when they're with their kids and when they're in public on the weekends, uh, you know, at night, you know, Friday night dinner, whatever the case may be, that they can have substantive safe conversations uh, around kind of the emergency planning, how to stay safe together, God forbid, should anything happen. So that's some of the avenues that we're looking at moving into in 2023. So you are a perfect testament to the earlier point that we were talking about, which is the power of being in a niche because you see adjacent opportunities in that niche as you continue to expand in it. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on the program to share your message yeah, if someone would like to talk with you, Adam, how, how do they find you? How do they find you on LinkedIn? And maybe how do they find your companies on your social platforms? Sure. Yeah. You know, I used to say, if you need to give me a call, you just call 911 and we'd show up. But uh, that phone number's changed, obviously, uh, <laughs> as of recent. Um, yeah. So all of our, for Safe Kids, which is usually the easiest way, all of our social media is at Safe Kids, Inc. Uh, my direct email is at, email is at, at sync. Um, and so all of our social media platforms, everything point to that LinkedIn. Uh, if you search my name, I pop up or safe kids Inc. standards training group. They should all pop up, uh, in a, in a search on LinkedIn. But, uh, like I said, operators are standing by for, for lack of better terms. We answer a lot of questions just in general. Uh, a lot of folks who have questions about what they've seen, what they've heard, something that may be happening. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we want to bring kind of the facts to the conversation. Uh, let's maybe get rid of some fears and some anxieties that a lot of folks have that they may be hearing. And let's really bring it down to what what's the core? How can we feel safe and be safe, whether we're at work, at school or wherever life may take us? I work with a lot of CEOs and business owners here in Orange County. And 
we talk about how they have a responsibility to their employees on a lot of different levels, the healthcare plans that they put out, the training that they give them on using equipment. And this is something as well, because it seems to me that Adam, um, they are well served to go through this training in advance of having an issue. This isn't something that you want to try to figure out while it's going on. And certainly the, as you talked about the ramifications downstream, even after the event happens, the trauma that may be embedded in the organization. This isn't something that people can just on their own, I think, figure out how to deal with it. They need to talk to professionals like you. Yeah. Now, you know, we work with a lot of organizations that have, you know, really front loaded a lot of the prevention and the response and those types of things and have stopped issues and have seen issues long beforehand that averted a crisis. Whereas, you know, all too often we'll get a phone call after something has happened uh, and trying to, you know, so to speak, pick up some of the pieces and try to piece back together, um, you know, what has happened? How do we move forward? How do we keep it from happening again? Um, and sometimes right in the middle of the crisis, uh, I've gotten phone calls trying to figure out, well, now that we're here, what do we do next? Um, and so, you know, working with folks through kind of that life cycle of crisis, obviously we never want it to happen. Uh, that, you know, the whole, uh, you know, ounce of prevention, uh, you know, is worth a pound of cure and every other, you know, kind of colloquialism that you hear around it is absolutely true. Yeah. Those who are well-prepared uh, tend to tend to have a much better uh, result than those who aren't. Well, I appreciate you being on the time today. Thank you for giving a bit of your knowledge and talking about your two businesses, you serial entrepreneur. I've certainly enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, and really look forward to uh, continuing our work in Orange County and beyond. I'd like to thank the audience. You've been an active part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Adam's episode was episode number 1,418 in our catalog. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story to your peers on our program, then reach out to me. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I on LinkedIn. Uh, coincidentally, that's also my website, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.